Well, here we are again at St. Joseph Radio Presents, and I'm here with Father Michael Geisler, and we're talking about something I'm not quite sure about. It's called co-redemption. I thought Christ did this. What do we mean, co-redemption, Father? Well, it means that Christ is good enough and loves us enough to share the action of redemption with us. Even though he is always the only redeemer, in some mysterious way, he works through us in our words, with our families, with our friendships, and in our sufferings, he works with us to bring grace to the world. That's what the book is about. That's it. Because he loves us. He loves us. You better listen to this one. Watch it. I guess you have the video. See you next time. Yeah. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt, and I am your host today, Peter Karutz. We are live on St. Joseph Evangelization Network, but we call this program St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, we are here live in studio with Father Michael Geisler. Father, welcome to the program. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Peter, and with all your listening audience. There we are. Our watching audience. Well, yeah, that's right. And thank you, Father, for mentioning that, because we, <clears throat> uh, we are recording this. This will be on YouTube and Roku. So if, if you like what you hear, well, you can uh, share it with someone else, and we'll have a few different ways for you to do that. So, Father, we'll, let me just get right into it. This, is, this program is going to be called A Few Thoughtful Points on Co-Redemption. I'm going to say that again. A few thoughtful points on co-redemption. Uh, I'll tell you this, Father. The first time I heard something that sounded like that, it was it was a controversial thing. It was mm. a little bit. Um, people were getting the you know the the hair up on the back of their necks. Oh, and I, right. I remember I was in Chicago at St. Edward's on uh, Wilson and on Sunnyside and Lowell. Oh, because okay. Father is from Chicago. And they were handing out pamphlets, and they were talking about Our Lady as co-redemptrix, mm, yes. which I know is not an official title of for Mary, but you know what? I think we might be talking about the same thing in some respects. So we're going to be talking about a few, a, um, thoughtful points on co-redemption. If you're intrigued, i got to tell you, I am too. Um, so, but before we start, Father, could you please start us off with a prayer? Yes, fine. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to appreciate the great work that Jesus Christ has done for us by redeeming us, but also help us to see our share in that redemption and how we can help those around us. Please, Holy Spirit, inspire us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Father. And let me just tell you a little bit about Father. He is a, and, and I'll say this wrong, and please correct me, you are an Opus Dei priest. Correct. What does it mean to be an Opus Dei priest? 
It's not an, you're not a religious priest. No, not a religious. But what does that mean, Father? Well, it means that I am a priest incarnated in the prelature of Opus Dei. Uh-huh. In other words, my superior is the prelate in Rome whose name is Monsignor Ocarith. So I am like a diocesan priest uh, who has, of course, ordinary a bishop as his superior. But my, my superior would be the prelate of Opus Dei, but not a religious order. Interesting. Not really this And I know a lot of us have been confused because Opus Dei is very, it's, it's around the world, right? It's made an incredible impact. And, and your founder is a saint. Yes, he is. Uh, canonized in 2002 by Saint John Paul II. I think you're in good company. I think well, you're in good company. And we keep praying to him for help. That's it. <laughs> Indeed. So Jose Maria es- Escriva. Escriva. Oh, yeah, that last... Uh, that last accent in Spain, Escriva is a writer, but Escriva, I don't know, they have that guest in Spain, they, they accent that last syllable. Yeah, I know. When, I, when I've been in Spain, depending upon where I'm at, I'm, I'm always saying something wrong. You know, I joke with my friends when I come back from Spain. I say, well, what language do you think they speak in Spain? And they all look at me like I'm crazy. So, well, <laughs> well, Spanish, right? No. Well, you have, you have uh, a Catalan, you have Castilian, you have all these little bit different dialects, and they are all just a little bit different from the various five kingdoms. Um, but anyway, so Father, you've intrigued me. We also, you have also written a book, so that we have some more work to do. It says, How Christ Saves Souls with us. So tell me what do you mean by co-redemption? You know, I, I have so many Protestant friends, and they'll tell me, you know, Christ died once over, done with, nothing more to do. I, I guess we wouldn't agree. Well, uh, we would agree. We would agree. That's we, what I meant. <laughs> we would agree. We agree with our Protestant brothers and sisters that Jesus is the only Redeemer. As a matter of fact, it says so in the New Testament, in letter to Timothy. He is the only Redeemer. And yet, this book, and I believe the magisterium of the church throughout the centuries, has affirmed that Christ wants to share the action of redemption with us, even though he is always the only Redeemer. He works in us and through us to save souls. And that's exactly what the book is about, how we can really say we are co-redeemers, maybe not in the sense of being like a co-pilot or a co-author, as we say in, in our modern language, because we aren't equal at all in redemption. And yet Jesus is so good that he makes us his hands, his tongue, his eyes, his love in the world. Yeah. And that's what co-redemption is all about. It isn't, as you said, Father, it isn't equality, but it's participation. It's and, a, it's, right, exactly. and it's not equal participation, No, it's not, it's not equal. It's not equal. It's, it's proportional. But yet we should desire it, too. And, a, and if we desire strongly to redeem others with Jesus, the power increases. So it I'm, helps us to, to want it. Absolutely. <laughs> it helps and us I, to and want I, it. I, this is something that I think so many of us have to gain a better appreciation for. Our Lord died mm. once and for all, and I can't approve upon that. I, I got it. But our Lord has invited us to participate. You, I know you're a great uh, 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 devotee of John Paul's writings. John Paul, yes, exactly. And his uh, encyclical, um, so I think it's Silvifa Dolores. Silvifici Dolores, that's yeah, right. Thank the you. power of suffering in Christ. Right. And that's I, right, I right. want to say in the first couple of pages... John Paul uh, quotes um, uh, Paul, and uh, I think it's Colossians. It says something to the effect where Paul says, I rejoice in the suffering of my body for the sake of you, the church, 
um, so that it makes up what is lacking in Christ. And you want to you want to cringe because you go, right. what in the world is this? Because there isn't anything lacking in Christ. Exactly. Perhaps the, what? He is the Redeemer, the perfect Redeemer, as Pope Francis often states, too, in some of his homilies. He is the only Redeemer. And yet, somehow... Christ wants us to be with him in the action. And that's what the book is all about. I think when St. Paul wrote that text, he uh, this, this is now St. Thomas Aquinas' explanation of that yes. text. So I, I thought I would go to the top in my there Jesus. St. Thomas Aquinas, you can't get much better than his insights into Scripture. But he says, yes, Jesus Christ's redemption was perfect, eternal, infinite for all time. But yet there's an application of that redemption throughout time. And he applies it through the members of his body. Yes. yes. Who are you and I and your listening audience? Mm-hmm. We are members of his body. So he, the redemption was perfect, and yet somehow he wants us to be his arms, his tongue, his eyes, and his active love in the world. And that's what I think St. Paul meant. It's not a heresy. No. I would nev- never accuse St. Paul of a heresy. <laughs> but, but, but just realize what he, what he means by that. And I, I, I would, I would invite non-Catholic uh, Protestant people to consider that that the Saint Paul is talking about an active redemption going out throughout time. Sure. In, in other words, what we do is meaningful because Christ gave it meaning. My, my youngest daughter uh, came by the house. She's grown up. She has her own. She came by the house and had breakfast this morning. And. Uh, I was running a little late, so she, she came in. But when she and her sister were very, very young, mm. Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, I would make pancakes with my daughters. And we would take the flour, and we would sift the flour, and, and I would help them measure a little bit of sugar and a little bit of salt. And we would do it, and we would make these pancakes. And my daughters were, we did this from the time, you know, they were one, two years old. Father, I'm going to tell you in all humility, I didn't need their help. <laughs> But I, yes. loved, I loved them, and I wanted them to be part of what I'm doing, and I wanted them to feel like they are part of what they're doing. They were not co-breakfast makers <laughs> with me no. in, in, in equality, but I love them, and I want them to be part of me and what we're doing and what we're doing together. That's right. Well, that is actually, congratulations, you're in the same... Uh, you're in the same sphere as Jesus Christ with the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. <laughs> Remember what happened then? I do. The apostles did not multiply the loaves and the fishes, nor did that little kid who had five loaves and fishes. That's he just right. supplied the material, and Jesus did all the rest, and it was distributed among the crowds. So I think it's a very good analogy to what co-redemption is. Jesus does the great miracle, but yet somehow we hand out the bread. You know, he gives that the apostles hand out the bread to the people. And that's what he does with us, too. Through our daily work, through our prayers, we are also, quote, redeeming with him. That's what the book is all about. I think that's great. Yeah, uh, and let me, let me say this. Now, uh, just to separate our jobs here, um, our, our Lord created the whole universe out of nothing, right? Right. What I can do is somewhat less, <laughs> some, proportionately. Right. But let, let's talk to some of these folks, Father. You know, we all have... You know, even within our finite uh, capabilities and blessings and, and gifts, we have different, uh, not to be redundant, we have different gifts, uh, but we all can do something. Um, so what do you say to the person who says, well, you know, I'm not a great preacher, right? I, 
I, I know scripture because I go to church. Uh, mm. But uh, what, what, I mean, what can I do? How can I be co-redeemer? I, 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 I can't, mm. I don't have the, I don't have the tools. What, what do I do? I, and maybe, maybe that's good for some people, but not for me. Mm. Right. Well, I would say pray a lot first that Jesus can work in you. Uh, like, like at Holy Mass, uh, personal prayer, ask Jesus the Redeemer to work in me and through me. Uh, have to ask for it first. Ask and you shall receive, Jesus yeah. said. And then um, after you pray for people and care for them, then try speaking with them about important topics. You don't have to become a preacher. You don't have to stand in a pulpit uh, or even quote scripture. From your heart is very good, and from your mind, very good. Just what is your experience? And Christ will work through you if you've prayed first and then really want to spread his kingdom. And I think everybody is called to do this, especially through baptism. Baptism made you another Christ. Some people don't realize what a great thing baptism is, but baptism configured you to Jesus Christ and gave you a mission to speak about him and to evangelize for him and with him. If only people would realize what happened in baptism and confirmation, of course, too, when the Holy Spirit comes, they would speak much more about Jesus in a very natural, wonderful, personal way, without the need for giving a big lecture or yeah. talk. Yeah, I mean, we, we as Catholics um, believe that we are um, literally tra transformed when we are baptized. You know, Luther would say we were, we're dung covered with snow, and I mm. think we would say, no, we, we are a new person. We're we are new newly configured toward Christ. We have sanctifying grace within us. Yeah. We share in God's own life. We are not just that. dung or whatever it is. I'll use that word, dung. No, we are children of God. And because of that, somehow Jesus can work through us in redeeming. Because he, we are elevated in Christ through baptism, called sanctifying grace. And I think that's one of the reasons that perhaps non-Catholic Christians, Protestants, don't understand the concept of co-redemption, because they don't realize their dignity, too. Their dignity with Christ through baptism. They have grace working within them. They have power and redemption working within them, too. And if only they would realize that, they could do so much more. They already are very good evangelizers because they know Scripture very well, mm. better than we Catholics <laughs> know Scripture. But to be configured with Christ and to bring him to the world, that's exciting. That's what co-redemption means. There you go. Yeah, and, and, and Father, two things. One, you, you said that by virtue of our baptism, we are evangelists, and I we think are. that's true. Um, but one of the things, you know, God can make good out of anything. Uh, you know, and during <laughs> pandemic, uh, for a short period of time, Actually, for the longest period of time of my life, I didn't go to Mass, right? It, it literally was the longest period of time in my entire life as an infant, as a child, it, it, no, it, the no. longest time. But I, I would listen to various uh, Masses w wherever they may be broadcast from. But I remember Bishop Herman, uh, Bishop Herman, I love Bishop Herman, uh, Bishop mm. Barron. Oh, uh, yes, Bishop Barron. Gave a homily, and he said this. He said, let your faith be part of your normal and casual conversation. And he wasn't saying, he wasn't saying be, be coarse about it. He wasn't saying be common about it. He was saying, let it be so integrated 
that it, it is part of your normal parlance. You know, someone is having a difficulty or whatever, uh, in whatever it may be, if you're, in, if you're at work, if you're at school, if wherever you're, I'll pray for you. Right, right. It, you know, it should it, come very naturally. Absolutely, right. we had um, yeah. we had the first of November just recently, and all, all saints, saints, right? Uh, Holy Day of Obligation. You, you know, you're talking about people will sit around and talk about well, what I'm going to do for lunch, what I'm going to do on the weekend. Boy, I think I'm going to go to the five o'clock mass on Halloween because I'm probably going to have trouble going the next day. Mm. I mean, it's part of the casual conversation. It, it allows everyone to participate in the evangelization effort. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we are here live in studio with Father Michael Geisler. How's it in German? Well, we should say Geisler, but, Geisler, but we'll say Geisler. I guess I guess we're we're, we're non-practicing German. We say Geisler, yes. <laughs> I am too. Okay. Thoughtful points on co- on co-redemption. The the mystery of co-redemption. Mystery of co-redemption. Because it, it it is a mystery how all that works. I I I, I, can't, I couldn't explain it completely in my book. I can only point to it. But it it is truly a mystery how Jesus works through poor little us <laughs> priests yeah. and lay people. And he can really redeem through us. That is a really marvel. You can't explain it in words, really. Right, but we can understand it and believe it. I mean, it, it, we can believe it. Yeah, we, to, we work with it. I think some people sometimes are confused by the word a mystery. Now, a mystery doesn't mean it, it may, might mean it's it's inex, inexplicable in its totality, but it isn't unbelievable, right? A mystery is believable, but we might not have. The, I mean, the infinite knowledge of God to fully explain it, but it is believable. It's believable, yes, even even if we cannot explain it right. completely, or even if we don't understand it, how it works completely. And I think that is what co-redemption is. That's why I called it a mystery, mm-hmm. because the truth is, as we just discussed, that Jesus is the only Redeemer. Right. And he's the only, he's the Son of God. He redeemed us all. And yet it's kind of mysterious how he can work through us in 2022 or whatever year we're in, <laughs> to redeem also. How that works, I can't explain it. It's like the sacraments. It's, right. it's, it's a marvelous truth. I'm just going to invite our listeners, uh, if you want a copy of this program or a mm-hmm. copy of Father's book, you can get it through us, um, uh, 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. And I'll give you that phone number a little bit later on, How Christ Saves Souls with Us. So, Father, why, why did you write this book? Well, um, I think we were discussing a little bit earlier before the program that I had written a, uh, a few novels about the early Christians and how they redeemed a rather pagan world, even more pagan and more violent and more sad than our world could be. And they redeemed it, but they redeemed it one person at a time. That's why I like that introduction to the St. Joseph Radio. One evangelized one person at a time. I think that's what you said. That's the way the Christians did it. That's, that's right. Through their friendships, through their family, through their sufferings. They didn't have any big churches or, sin, or they, they, they couldn't really proclaim as Caesar Augustus could proclaim his, that he's the emperor of the world. It had to be individually, personally. And I was very inspired by that, and it occurred to me that that is like co-redemption. And you they, have a chapter, chapter 8, the co-redemptive friendship, the meaning huh. of human yeah. friendship. Yes, it is true. Good friends lead each other to God in some way. A really good friend is someone that inspires you and helps you to get to heaven. 
even if you don't maybe talk about God all the time, but a good friend is virtuous, he prays for you, you can trust him, that is also co-redemptive. A good friendship is what Jesus is to all of us. Yeah. And I, we have to be to other people too. I heard um, someone say that if you want to see how, what kind of a man you're becoming, look at the five people you spend the most time with. Hmm. And um, one of those people you might hmm. want to spend a, a little more time with is our Lord. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. And, and especially in personal prayer, and I like to challenge your listeners too to get to Mass frequently during the week. The Holy Eucharist is really the center and source of a Christian's life. That's something that St. Josemaria Escrivá said, by the way. Center and root of a Christian's life is the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And so if you really want redemption to be working in you in a wonderful way, go to Mass frequently, get that body and blood inside of you, that power, and it will then exude in everything that you say or do. I went to Mass this morning, and um, I was just talking with some of my friends afterwards, and Father was over there. But one thing I noticed was there was a, a people were heading for the door, but mm. um, a good number of people were heading toward the chapel. So mm. after, after being in Mass and, and, and um, celebrating the Mass, our Mass, right, they, uh, they went to adoration. So mm -hmm. there's another way to spend a little bit of time with the Lord. Oh, yes. If, if you can't receive for whatever reason, spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. He's been waiting for you for 20 centuries in that <laughs> tabernacle. <laughs> Don't let him wait any longer. Go and visit him and ask him for your friends, too. You know, Peter, you're, you're definitely, you know, for your little daughters and their pancakes, <laughs> all sorts of things you can ask for. You know, and I'll, and I'll say this, Father, you know, we, we sometimes, or at least I don't know if I'm doing the right thing all the time. I, I, you know, I, you, you try and do the right thing, mm. um, but you, you slip, you think you, these are equal goods that you're worrying about. When I started going to adoration in 2000, 2001, mm. um, I, I, my wife and I picked various hours. So I had um, the hour of uh, 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock on Sunday. And which worked out well because we went to noon mass over at one, go into adoration and, and mm. other things that other blessings that come from that as well. But mm, a new pastor came and he changed mass to twelve fifteen, and now I'm I'm in a bit of a struggle. <laughs> do I give up my hour? Do I find another hour? And here's what what happened. Uh, depending upon how mass was going, I would have to leave mass to go to adoration. And one of the, as I'm thinking about what to do. What, what wound up happening is that my daughters, as they were growing up, would come to adoration while I went to communion. So each of my daughters would come every week and spend a little bit of time in adoration. And, um, and I've since taken another hour. But you know what? As I was struggling about that, it, it gave my daughters maybe a taste of that, a taste of what, of what adoration is. Uh, and why, why were they doing it? They were doing it because they loved their dad and they wanted to give their dad a chance to go to communion. So it, it was, you know, our Lord can make things right in so many ways. Yes, and that's part of the mystery of it too, how he makes things right and we can't even figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but he's working through us in some way. So we talk about co-redemption. Our... Uh, uh, would you would you say that married couples some some in some special way have 
that co-redemption. Oh, definitely. Matter of fact, I do think I have a chapter called Co-Redemptive Marriage. <laughs> I think uh, I have co-redemptive everything in here. Matrimony as co-redemption. I missed that one. Yes. So t- tell me oh, about that Oh, definitely one. co-redemption. Um, like helping your daughters to make pancakes and praying <laughs> and praying for them at the same time and, and them taking adoration for you too. Mm. They might have not have used this fancy word co-redemption, but they were doing that. They were letting Christ work within them because they love their dad, and therefore they, they went to adoration for you. Yeah. And I think so much of it is we can, we can be co-redeemers even unconsciously. I mean, just by loving your wife and being faithful to her, you are redeeming her in some way with Christ, of course, who's the main actor here, the main agent. But you are by loving, being faithful to your wife, listening, uh, having, uh, all the things that, that unite you as man and woman, you are redeeming her too. You're helping her. That's the beauty of the sacrament of matrimony. Yeah. It unites and makes people redeemers. And, of course, of your children too. Yeah. By raising them well. <laughs> I, I think it's our, it, and it is our responsibility to raise them well, educate them well. We don't abdicate that to anybody, even the Catholic schools. We have to realize that it's our job as parents. I, I, I like to give young couples who are getting married a little bit of a bad time. Oh, okay. And I'll, I'll ask them, so why are you getting married? I said, oh, I, I, we're in love. I, 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 love, I love this man. I love this woman. I said, oh. I love, I love my car, but I'm not going to get married to my car. Well, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. love oh. is such a tricky word. It's used in so many different contexts. Yeah. Oh, she's so beautiful. She's the most beautiful girl yeah. in the world. Well, she's going to get old, you know. And <clears throat> and and I and I challenge them as we as we go through this. I say, you know, the the main reason to get married, and and, and there are others, but it's to get your spouse to heaven. Absolutely, Peter. Absolutely. You are co-redemptive <clears throat> to each other. You are. That's right. In your faithful love for one another, your understanding, your forgiveness, your sacrifice, you are helping your dear wife to get to heaven someday. And she is helping you. Yeah, yeah. And you said the word. You said sacrifice. And I think that uh, mm. that's what I was trying to get to with these, some of these young people. I said that the word love is not a, is not a synonym of reward for being nice to me. It's sacrifice. It's yes. self-giving. That's what our Lord did. He gave himself of himself and, uh, and himself to us sacrificially. That's what love is. That's what love is. And that is the power of redemption. Yeah. He is the love giving himself for us for all time and yet somehow sharing that ability of love with us too in marriage, friendships, family, all the things that we do, even our daily work when we, when we offer it to God, which is one of the big messages of Opus Dei. You can really love and serve people by offering your work to God also. Paul said we should pray always, so and I not, guess that not, can be done? I would hope so. <laughs> I would pray so. And as a matter of fact, I think it's very significant that Jesus Christ himself, who is the only Redeemer, yet he wanted to spend 30 years working with his hands in a little village called Nazareth, daily work. That has to mean something. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Father, I was about to start to ask you about something that seems a little bit inconsistent in your book. Uh Uh-oh. And this chapter is called The Slavery of Sin. So when we come back, 
We're going to talk about sin. So that usually gets people intrigued. The slavery of sin. And the name of this program is the uh, uh, Thoughtful Points on the Mystery of Co-Redemption. And then we'll come back and talk about uh, slavery of sin. So please, do your part in evangelization and invite someone to come and listen to this program. I'm intrigued. I know they will be too. We'll see you soon. Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B, in Latin reference which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio, check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back, and I'm your host today, Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Evangelization Network. I wanted to say that S-J-E-N because that's what we're sort of talking about a little bit, Father. We're talking about mm-hmm. evangelizing. That's one of the arms of this uh, ministry here. And uh, this right. is St. Joseph Radio <laughs> Presents, and we're here live with Father Michael Geisler. And, that's right. <laughs> and, and we're talking about uh, thoughtful points on the mystery of co-redemption, and now we're taking a left-hand turn, because Father wants to, mm. has a whole chapter, chapter 10, no less, on the slavery of sin. Mm. Well, we were talking about co-redemption. What, now, we're, now you want to talk about sin. Yes. Well, remember, if you're redeemed, you have to be redeemed from something, don't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And you are redeemed from sin, of course, and that's what Jesus did on the cross forever. He redeemed us from sin even though we have to keep struggling against sin in our own lives. But he conquered the evil one. He conquered the devil by his love and sacrifice on the cross. And what, but as, I, as we spoke before, co-redemption is the continuing process of liberating ourselves and people from sin. And we do that in so many different ways through the wonderful sacrament of reconciliation, confession in the Catholic Church, by doing works of penance, or simply by saying to Jesus a thousand times, I'm sorry, <laughs> please forgive me. We are being liberated from that slavery of sin, which sometimes can take very, very painful, difficult 
ways like addictions mm-hmm. oh, you know, yeah. that, and violence, yeah. uh, sexual problems in the world. All of these things are a kind of slavery. They, they, they just, uh, how can you put it? They prevent men and women from really being happy. And redemption is to free people from that slavery. And the nice part about it is that Jesus gives us a share in the action of s- liberating people from, from that slavery in yeah. some way. Yeah, that's what I meant. I meant by the slavery of sin. I think it makes sense, Father. As you were talking, I w- I was thinking about uh, smoking. I don't smoke, and, and it's not very popular now. But when you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, it's very popular. And you think about it, you have you have a, and you mentioned it too, an addiction. You you're addicted to it's smoking. A kind of addiction. Yeah. Got to go outside. Got to smoke. You got to spend a lot of money on it, right? So it's taking my money. It's taking my time. It's taking my health. Yeah, I, I'm a slave to this, and to give it up means, what do I gain by this freedom? I gain health. I gain some financial resources, right? <laughs> That's true. That's I have true. more time. How do you get more time? So giving up sin really is empowering. When, when, when the church is telling us that our Lord is redeeming us from sin, he's not saying no to us. He's saying yes to us. He's giving us these things. And you know, I, my daughters always used to say when I when they were young, they said, "Well, you know, Dad, I, this is modern times. It's not like when you know dinosaurs roamed the earth." But you know, <laughs> but as much things change, they stay the same. You know, at the Father, your first couple of lines here, if I could read from your book, yeah, it says, "At the end of World War II, Pope Pius XII wrote these thoughtful, provoking words." I'm going to read them slowly. Perhaps the greatest sin in the world today is that men have begun to lose the sense of sin. I'll say it again. Perhaps the greatest sin in today's, in the world today is that men have begun to lose the sense of sin. What do we mean by that, Father? Yes. Well, I think the, that's Pope Pius XII, isn't it? Pope yeah. Pius XII, yeah. Yeah, he wrote that towards the end, I think, of World War II. Right. And all the awful things that happened in World War II, all the violence, the Holocaust itself, so many people killed. And he could see, too, all these trends in modern society, the breakup of the family, all sorts of different violent or wrong ideas out there. And people saying, this is liberation. This is progress. This is the modern world. This is the 20th century. As if that was an excuse for all these awful things going on. And that's what he means by the sense of sin. Yeah. And, and I do believe that in, later on in the, in the 1960s and 70s with this so-called sexual liberation, other things in the church, people lost the concept or the, the reality of morality, that this is something you should not do. This is something that's wrong for, for men and for women, addictions of all sorts of sorts. So I think what the Pope says is very evident in our day. People want to justify things. They've lost the sense of sin. And if you leave, lose the sense of sin, you don't need redemption. That's right. You don't even need redemption. It's superfluous. That's right. And, and you know, you can't even start to ask for forgiveness if you realize, if you yeah. don't accept that you've done something, right. something wrong. Right. I'm just being myself. I haven't sinned. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of idea. And it's deadly because it, it enslaves people because people think they're free, but they aren't free. They're just as addicted as they were before, even worse than they were before. Even worse. 
And even though those words were sa- said some 78, 70 years ago, I guess, or yeah, more Pope now, Pius the Twelfth. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. we we are living that today. You know, we talk about your truth and my truth. No, there is the truth, right? We when I yeah. I did a little research in the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Bureau of the Census, and I was looking. At, I, I was actually looking for something else, but what I noticed was the percentage of intact families throughout the the years and. The demise of the family seemed to have started sometime. You mentioned it sometime in the '60s. You know, when you when you look back, you had you had the the overwhelming majority of families were intact families: a mother, a father, right? A mother and a father. Look what we lose by losing the family, and then people saying, "There's no problem there." It's it's like the Pope said: we're losing our sense of what sin is. Yes, exactly. And, and, and we know the church herself is a family. Yeah. Pope Francis has spoken a lot about that, that the church is a family. Also, the church is like a field hospital that uh, takes the wounded and helps. I love that expression of Pope Francis. Um, but, you know, uh, the church, it, 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 as, as the family goes, so goes society. And um, that's what I think, that's why I have that chapter on co-redemptive marriage, is that in the end, it's that love between man and woman, that faithful, self-sacrificing, generous love that saves society, and Christ works through that love in a, in a co-redemptive way. So yes, the family is essential. The church herself is a family. And that brings me to a point I wanted to mention, particularly uh, as we uh, for the month of November, we are remembering the saints, of course, and the souls in purgatory. Sure. It is an immense family, a cosmic family in outside of time. Let us remember particularly, I invite all your listeners and watchers to consider those people who are deceased and who might need our prayers, mm-hmm. the souls in purgatory. It's an immense work of mercy. It is truly co-redemptive to help a soul in purgatory for whom nobody is praying to be freed from his or her sins, and to go to God forever. So I would recommend to everybody during this whole month of November, offer suffrages for mm-hmm. the souls in purgatory. And there's an indulgence, as you know, for the first eight days of, uh, of November to go and visit a cemetery and pray ah. for those people. Yes, the church has granted an indulgence for that. Interesting. I will. Yeah, I, you know, that's my latest book. It's still in my car. It's a little red book, and it's called The Book of Indulgences. Oh, we'll be sure and to read it. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I, I don't remember yeah. that one. But uh, I know that la- I thought it was only on the first and the second, but you're saying it's for the first eight days. Yes, I, I understand it. Yeah. So, and, and Father, in those first, just to get into that, in the first eight days, I guess what we're saying is we should go, we should visit a, sec- uh, a cemetery. Is there anything else there? I mean, we, I think we might have to, do we go to communion, go to confession? Well, do go to confession or communion within within a week period. Yeah. Pray for the intentions of the Holy yeah. Father too, yeah. and 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 want and wanting to receive that plenary indulgence. And as you know, a plenary indulgence is a forgiveness of any temporal punishment due for sin. Yeah. And and we can apply that precisely to people who need it. You know, the souls in purgatory. Very good, Father. So we, we could apply it to ourselves, but we could also apply it to somebody who may have passed away. Exactly, and and they may need that extra indulgence to get to heaven, and we're performing a great work of mercy by praying for them 
by applying that indulgence. I tell my daughters when I die, I want a few things. I want a nice lunch and a nice party afterwards. But please don't canonize me at my at my at my funeral. Please pray for me. Right. Yes, that's what funerals are for. We're supposed to be praying for people. Yes. Just in case there's an obstacle between them and God, we take that obstacle away by going to Christ in the Eucharist, yeah. who is the only Redeemer. Think of seeing but, somebody who's hurt, some, someone who's physically hurt. You know, they've, they've had an accident or, or I mean, you know, I was actually, and I'll, I'll tell you, I remember this, yeah. I was going home for Christmas to Chicago, and I was with my wife, no children, so it's a long time ago, and we're driving on 55, and there's this terrible snowstorm. And mm. my wife, as usual, she's, she's a teacher, she's working, right? And I look ahead of me, and I can see this small car had clipped a very large old Cadillac, and the small car literally flipped over. Mm-hmm. And it and I what I did is firmly, quickly, safely m- moved to the side of the road. Well, my wife finally looks up from her books, and she sees what's going on in the middle of Interstate 55, and there's some screaming going on. So I finally I stopped the car very shortly after I say call 911. So I I get out, I run across mm. the, the the highway, and there's this very heavy man in the middle of the interstate on a snowy night, strapped into his car, and he can't get out. So we force open the door. Another passerby and I, we, we get him unclipped, and we physically drag him out. He couldn't get out himself. He was in a desperate circumstance. I think he was, I, know, I never saw him afterwards, but I, I think he was grateful for that. This is a very temporal thing. This is something that doesn't involve our immortal soul. But imagine that you are in purgatory mm. and you can't do anything for yourself. No, nothing. Right? No. How grateful would you be? Oh, I'd be eternally grateful. <laughs> so when Literally. that person goes to heaven, because yeah. that's what we know for certain, someone in purgatory is bound for heaven, but then they will pray for you too. So it, you pray for the souls in purgatory. They will pray for you, and they can pray for us while they're in purgatory too, but they can't pray for themselves. No, they need us. They need it's, us. It's, a, it's an immense network of intercommunicating graces yeah. that works throughout eternity on this earth and in heaven. And the saints, of course, are our greatest intercessors. They're the ones who can really bring us the grace yeah. of redemption. We should pray to our patron saints frequently. I always try to remind people during the month of November, you're a patron saint. Peter, look at that. Uh, <laughs> I need him. I can go to St. Michael. I got an angel here working for us. That's right. <laughs> but I, I would recommend everybody, pray to your patron saint and pray for the souls in purgatory. That's the great truth. I'll, I'll, call, it a, I'll call it a mystery. That's why I call it the mystery of core redemption. I don't... How all this works together is part of God's love throughout the centuries, part of his love. It is. Um, Father, I was just looking at another one. It says, the overwhelming power of charity. Mm. Um, I know that sometimes in the English language we're, um, I guess, I would say bound by our language. We don't don't, uh, seem to understand. But I guess there's different words of love. I I, uh, remember... uh, Pope Benedict's first uh, book or encyclical was uh, um, uh, Deus Caritas Est. Deus Caritas Est, right, exactly. And, and, and I always translate it, God is love, but I guess sometimes you might say, you know, there's charity too. Charity is a type of love. But Father, in your, your chapter here, you say the overwhelming power of charity. Tell us about that. Well, it's overwhelming because if you're the object of charity, 
first of all, God's charity, God's love, Christ's love, but also uh, an individual, a co-redemptive love. It is rather overwhelming when you think that somebody loves me so much that they would do this for me, like this gentleman that you helped on Route 55. That was rather overwhelming. I'm sure that gentleman was very grateful to you that you that you liberated from that car in the snow. I mean, uh, charity is something that, how would I put it, love, love rules the world. Love conquers the world. And any co-redemptive act should have charity as its root. Uh-huh. It's not simply, I'm a good boy, I'm a virtuous guy, I did these things. No, I love people, I love Christ, and that's why I do it. And that's overwhelming. The early Christians were that way. Remember, the, the pagans would say, see how these people love one another. They couldn't understand how people could care for each other, even when they were suffering, even during the plague or when they were being thrown to the lions. They were singing and they were helping each other. Amazing. The overwhelming power of love. There's no substitute for it. Yeah, love and sacrifice, and, and, and that's what love is. It's, it's self-sacrifice. It's self-sacrifice, and I, I do remember story of a priest. I uh, uh, hope we have a few more moments. We have plenty uh, of time, Father. We do have, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was helping people in a hospital, and he was trying to get this fellow on the second floor to go to confession uh-huh. and to anoint him. But he didn't. He was a Catholic man, too, but he was a, away from the church for a long time, did not even want to talk about the sacraments or confession. Um, so the priest couldn't get any place. But then there was a fellow on the first floor who did go to confession and was quite talkative, but unfortunately, <laughs> this man was complaining all the time about the service in the hospital. He was complaining about the nurses, the medicine, didn't like the hospital at all, it was stuffy, it was awful, and the priest was always trying to cheer him up. So, true story, the priest had the idea, well, I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to ask this man on the first floor, who's always complaining, not to complain for three days and to offer it for someone who really needs it. And the fellow (laughs) begrudgingly agreed, I will do that. I won't complain for three days, and I'll offer it for this individual father, whoever he is. Three days go by. The priest is in his rectory. At 2 a.m. in the morning, (laughs) phone call from the hospital. The man on the second floor wants to go to confession. <laughs> True story. Yeah. And I say, that sounds like co-redemption to me. Yeah, there you go. I mean, here this man didn't even know who it was, but he, he kept his mouth shut for three days, didn't complain, offered it for this other gentleman. This other gentleman receives the sacrament, goes to confession, and he died three days afterwards. Wow. The man on the second floor. So I said, ooh, I've got to tell that story because it's true, but it also shows the power of prayer and sacrifice in some mysterious way. That's why it's a mystery. Prayer all works. Prayer makes a difference, and, and sacrificial <laughs> prayer even more. I want to come back and talk about that a little bit. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we are here live in studio with Father Michael Gla- um, Geisler. Geisler. I said it the right way. If you want a copy of his book, you can get it here at St. Joseph Radio. This, uh, the phone number here is 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000, and we'll be happy to uh, get you in touch with that. I, I just want to mention um, here, take a moment and tell you about a, an event that's called To This 
in remember do this in mem- remembrance of me. I've only heard it every day. Do this mm. in remembrance of me. It's a Eucharistic event on December the 10th at St. Norbert's Church. That's uh, 16455 New Halls Ferry. Consult Google. It'll tell you where it is. St. Norbert's on December the 10th. It starts out with Mass at 8 o'clock. Uh, their breakfast would be served. Lunch would be served. And the speakers are, are you ready? Hang on. Um, Archbishop Robert Carlson, or I should say um, uh, Emer- Archbishop Emeritus Robert Carlson. Robert Carlson. He's going to talk about Our Lady of Loretto. Monsignor Matthew Midas, who I love. He's a brilliant holy man. He's going to talk about Eucharistic miracles, which is a, I could fill a whole day as it is. And then two other priests will be there as well. The cost is $25. Please mm. uh, contact us here at the radio, 636-447-6000 to register. Uh, it's an event not to be missed at St. Norbert's. Uh, and if you want to know anything more, call us and we will tell you about it. So, mm-hmm. Father, I think what I was hearing is that when we are suffering, we can join our suffering with prayer to Christ. And you know what? It doesn't even matter whether the person knows we're suffering. If we are, I mean, that we're praying for them, I should say. No. And this suffering, we have redirected our suffering to something good. In, I guess what I'm trying to say is, our Lord has given us a vehicle to give meaning to our suffering, to make it efficacious. That's right, which is one of the tremendous contributions of Christianity to the world, that suffering does have meaning. It's not useless. It's not terribly painful. Well, it is, can be terribly painful sometimes, but it's not meaningless. It's not useless. It's not meaningless. It has power. And, and again, in going back to what Christianity really means, uh, ave crux unica spes in Latin, behold the cross, our only hope. Ece crux uni, spes unica, our only hope. And that is really, if you can connect things with the cross, you are redemptive. Our Lord works through you. And I think the greatest saints were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And people in hospitals who suffer from cancer, strokes, very painful illnesses, mental illness included, Mm -hmm. if they can connect it somehow with Jesus on the cross, it brings grace to the world in some wonderful, mysterious way, even if we don't realize how it works. Yeah, and you know, this is is something, Father, that I think we should talk about today because it's very difficult to talk to somebody who's in great pain and great suffering and says, you know what you need to do? You need to offer this up. This has great (laughs) meaning. It's going to, we need to do this in advance so that when we're in that circumstance, we can do it. uh, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen is famous for saying, look at all the wasted suffering in there. You know, so let, let's talk about that. Let's prepare ourselves in this moment that when we are in suffering to remember that this is something that we can redirect, we can turn it into a prayer. There is nothing like, like praying when you're in deep pain and, and where that prayer is, not for yourself, frankly, but for something else. And we have to be, we have to be disposed to that. I, I remember this great story. It was told by this archbishop uh, who was with John Paul when he was shot. Mm, mm, mm. And he tells this whole story of how he was riding with them and he, the, all the details. It was like being there, you know, and you, you know, that all of a sudden there's this shot that rang. He, he's looking at the bodyguards. The bodyguards are jumping in and they're, you know, and they're, they're r- rushing him off to the hospital and he's looking at John Paul. John Paul's laying on the floor and he's talking about all this stuff, right? Mm, all mm. the things that he's doing. And then he says, 
John Paul was laying on the floor saying the rosary. We can be distracted when we're in crisis, when we're in pain, unless we predispose ourselves to redirect it. So, so take a moment and think about this. When we, all of us will be in pain and in suffering, yeah. call to mind that our Lord has given us a way to make it efficacious, to join it with his suffering and, and make it into a prayer. That's right. The same sort of prayer that he had on the cross. Yeah. Same sort of right. prayer. When actually in a moment of tremendous pain and probably some kind of sensation of being away from God, even though he's the son of God, he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And some people in terrible pain can think the same thing that Jesus thought. But it's very consoling for us to realize that is a redemptive moment. Mm-hmm because you are being Christ at that moment. Why have you abandoned me? Why have I have so such pain in my, in my family? They don't love me. Or all sorts of thoughts can come to our minds, and yet keep the crucifix nearby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember our founder, St. Josemaria, would, would put it this way, kiss the wounds of Jesus crucified. Yeah. There you will find real life. Yeah. That's a marvelous statement. It is. Kiss the wounds of Jesus crucified. Yeah. Very hard to do that in those moments of pain, but yet that's the way redemption works. That's right. And, and like Christ, he, I mean, who could have suffered more than him and who un, more undeservedly, right? Yes. But he quoted, I think it's the 23rd or 24th Psalm, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But Psalm 23. When, when, we, when we read on, you know, he is in this great suffering, but when we read on, we see that God is with us even in that suffering. And he will not abandon us. So in, in Christ's suffering, he's even given us a lesson to have hope, to know that we're not suffering alone. No, no. He did it before us, and he's doing it with us. With us. That's, That's the point. He's doing with it us. with us. Yeah. He did it before us and with us, and we'll get through with him. And hopefully, we're all going to see him someday, called the beatific vision. <laughs> Heaven, right? That's right. That's Real right. redemption. Real redemption. Real redemption. So, Father, I, I think what we're, we're trying to say is that um, our, our Lord uh, certainly died once and for all for all of us. Exactly. Right. There's no doubt about that. But through his love for us, he wants us to participate in it. That's it. That's it. Exactly summed up what I'm trying to say in my book. It's a wonderful <laughs> book. If you would like to get it, please call us at 636-447-6000. Father, in the moment or two we have left, would you give your blessing to our listeners? Yes. May Almighty God bless all of you, both listening and watching, all of you and your families, and also your effort to redeem working with Jesus in you in all the things that you do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. And I guess that's a call. That's the Great Commission. Go out and Go out and preach. Preach and do God's work. And come back and see us next time and bring a friend, (laughs) please. God bless you all. 
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.